Hey guys, it's Walter, and welcome back to the Skullcast for Episode 7. This time, we are a man down because Griff couldn't be here. He had some real-life stuff come up, so he'll be on next time. But with me, I have Azil, as usual. Yeah, hi. Well, we don't actually have any Berserk discussion this time. and I'm sure it's going to come up because the main topic we have is user questions. We've been putting this off for a couple number of weeks and now we have a big queue, basically. And you guys put in some good questions, so we're going to get to them uh, one at a time. Um, but I guess before we direct, go jump directly into that, me and Azil have both been playing Mass Effect 3 all week. And Azil, I wanted to gauge your impressions now, because I think last week you had not yet started it, I think. Yeah, that's right, Yeah. And now you're a little further into it. What, do you, what are your impressions? Because you know, I know you're actually probably the biggest Mass Effect fan that I know. Uh, I'm always yeah. a little skeptical about the whole series, but you seem to be totally gung ho about it. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm the one who introduced you to Mass Effect actually. I mean, it's the first yeah, place. It is. And uh, yeah, well, so far I, I like it a lot. I like it a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I think it's very good, both uh, in terms of gameplay and in terms of story. So I'm not very far yet in the game. I'm just after Tuchanka. Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I like it a lot. Uh, you know, the, it's not perfect. There's still many things which could be better. But overall, I think it's an improvement over Mass Effect Two and over Mass Effect One. Hmm. So uh, while you know each game has its strength, and Mass Effect Three again is not perfect, but I I think it's really pretty good. And it's I think it's uh, it's struck a, a good you know halfway point between Mass Effect One and Mass Effect Two in many regards. Like, you know, customization, the way you customize your powers also, mm-hmm. weapons, everything. I, I think it's really well done. And, and I had the opportunity to try the multiplayer as well with uh, Proj mm-hmm. recently. And, uh, well, I also found it really good. Honestly, I think they were smart in what they did. And uh, so, yeah, overall, I'm, I'm very satisfied with the game. Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. I'm, I'm not in love with the game. And I'm, I guess the the biggest indicator that I know I'm not in love with the game because when you know, you know. Uh, it's really the fact that I'm not really driven to finish it in a quick way. I'm just like, yeah, I'll get to it. You know, I don't have like a really burning drive to get to the end of it. I don't know. So uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, I, I like Mass Effect 1 a little better. I mean, I, I kind of have a lot of affection for the first one because it was really rough around the edges. You know, it kind of it kind of asked a lot of the player to invest in the world that was there to kind of fill in the yeah. gaps for its, its flaws. And so I, re- I really endeared me to the first game a lot. And where Mass Effect 3, it seems like a direct continuation of Mass Effect 2 in, the, in, the ter- in terms of the systems that are there and the, and the way the game's presented. It's very similar to Mass Effect 2. I mean, even like the way you travel around your ship and things like that. So, But it, it's a refinement, you know. It's good. Yeah. It's good. I'm enjoying it. Uh, actually, there's also a couple things that EA has done to give the game some legs. There's an app you can download on the iPhone that actually gives you access to the codec, the codecs for free. It has all the entries of the codex, and it actually has a mini game as well uh, where you can like allocate resources. This is bullshit galaxy map, but it actually adds to your total in the game for how close you are and to be ready for the final fight. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I, well, I hope it's available for Win 7. I don't actually know, but... No, I no, no. I doubt it. I, I'm not sure, you know. It's probably not available for Android. I'm, I'm not oh, sure it yeah. is, but... Uh, yeah, well, I don't mind. Multiplayer can uh, help, you know, ri- raise up your galactic yeah. readiness level, so... That's that's what it is, the readiness level. It's the same thing. And yeah, it's, it's minuscule. It's like, literally, it's like 
2.9 points or something like that per mission that you do. And all you do is like click a couple buttons and then you put your phone down for five hours. Then you come back and your readiness levels increased. <laughs> well, it's, kinda, it's useless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, still, you know, in, in multiplayer, it also, I mean, it goes up, you know, yeah. very little at the time. But I'm at uh, 66 right now. Mm. And I just did one session. So I think it's pretty good. Yeah. It's called the ME3 Datapad. I just looked it up. But um, other than Mass Effect 3, I just finished experiencing Ashura's Wrath. Uh, and I think Berserk fans should check that out. Not because there's like direct parallels or anything to Berserk, but it's a tale of revenge. Uh, and it's very shonen. It's, it's, it's done very in a, in a manga style in terms of how everything's portrayed. Uh, it's divided into chapters and segments. And at the end of each little chapter, it'll say Suzuku or To Be Continued. There's a lot of things that I actually really enjoyed the game, uh, if you can even call it a game. It's more of a, a movie that you watch and you hit buttons sometimes. <laughs> yeah. And I know you, Azil, you're, you're experiencing it as well. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I'm watching the videos on YouTube, yeah. yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to explain what experience means versus playing. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's a nice game. I mean, yeah, probably it's probably not worth, you know, paying you know full price for it but uh, it's pretty nice and it's clear you know they drew inspiration from berserk for the main character you know mm-hmm. but yeah like you said it's a uh, very shown in in nature in that mm-hmm. yeah it's very you know powers oh you know, his rage allows him to do everything uh, it's you know very typical yeah uh i can't remember how far you are. actually i don't want to mention it it's a spoiler for the podcast but i was going to ask you about a certain thing but there's a there's a couple like to me it's the there's a couple of things that really tie it to berserk I, I might not even be direct i don't know but any berserk fan watching it will catch the similarities i think yeah well yeah even in the design of the main character i mean Asura, yeah. he he looks like us he has a similar style and same personality too, basically. It's just you yeah. know, he's not, not a strategist. He's just well, there to fight, basically. You know, I, I would say Gus is a bit more refined than that. But oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean they're basically both angry and uh, yeah. yeah, they got the same haircut and their eyes turn white when they're pissed off. So yeah, yeah. I mean that's very I could say simplistic, but yeah, that's it. Right, right. You know, actually, Mass Effect. Did I tell you just you know as an aside, the game froze on me. It actually oh, really? froze. Yeah, it froze on me twice. I had to reboot the console, you know. Jeez, what was? Yeah. Did you lose any progress, or how did that work? Uh, yeah, well, you know, so, you know, the first time it it you know froze during a loading, and so I I lost uh, maybe five minutes. Oh. And the second time I, I lost nothing because I the, the auto save, you know, I just you know go enough. I, actually, I'm not saving the game very often. I probably should be because, uh, yeah. But in any case, yeah, it froze twice, so that's kind of you know worrying me. That sucks. Yeah, that's weird. Um, I mean, the PC, I haven't had any. Actually, I have one really hilarious bug. And tell me if you've experienced this as well. When you walk into Liara's area of the Normandy, do you notice yeah. the screens doing anything weird? Uh, no. Uh, they're turning as you move around. You know, they why, turn to follow you. Why, why do they do that? Uh, because it's, you know, like, mm-hmm. there are su- super screens. And wherever Liara is in the room, they move so she can follow them. You know, at any point in the room, it looks extremely stupid and unnatural to me. Like it moves too quickly, and so if you're moving, if you're moving left and right or diagonally real quickly, it, it juts around like really unnaturally. It, to me, it looks like a bug. Well, yeah, honestly, I haven't paid attention to it. I don't think it's a bug. I think it's intended, but 
uh, sometimes when I run around a bit, mm-hmm. like they don't follow my movement. So yeah. they, they keep looking in the other direction and so yeah. I can't see them. <laughs> exactly. But, uh, like I have it to a point where like, if you move around enough, like it's so fucked up that it eventually the screen will turn away from you. It's like, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> it's just yeah. weird. It's just a tiny thing. Doesn't well, really so, so, so the biggest bug I've had actually is in multiplayer. I mean, oh, uh, yeah. I was just you know going you know falling through the world, stuck in the you know in the in the environment, that mm. kind of shit. It happened twice while I was playing with Proj and a friend of his. Mm. So it was you know it was a pain. I couldn't die. You know they kept fighting with that. Me it was really uh, yeah, it was awful. Oh man. <laughs> Yeah. Jesus. Embarrassing. Yeah. The game gives you a lot of weapons, too. Have you noticed that? Like, I, I have so many weapons, and the, the difference between them is so minuscule. Like, I have, like, five different rifles. I, I only use the one, and it's fine, you know? Well, you know, I think they each have their own strength and uh, weaknesses, but, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean... I've changed a few times. I've changed mm-hmm. shotguns a few times. My main weapon is a shotgun, of course. Yeah, and, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. You carry, I mean, you carry the big one, the one you got on um, Tachanka? The one that's like uh, one, one shot. It's like the heaviest gun in the game, at least to me so far. Uh, no, no, no. I, I'm using mostly the katana. I, I have one okay. which is called the N7 Crusader. Oh, man. Is, it's, it's, very, it's powerful and very accurate, you know. But the thing is, it's too accurate. Mm. So I used it for a while, but it's it's basically like a gun. You can miss your shot, you know, very easily, mm-hmm. and and the enemies don't take damage. And uh, so yeah, I went back to the katana, which is pretty good. It's mm. white, so you know you can you know aim like shit, and you still gonna <laughs> get them. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm back to that. But uh, yeah, and, and I also I'm not carrying any SMG, you know. Just oh really? A, yeah, just a pistol and the shotgun. Oh. Huh. And, uh, for, is that for weight, so that you have more time for your powers and things like that? Yeah, yeah. My powers, you know, I can basically chain charge. I, I charge. Cool. I, I can charge endlessly. So, you know, one time when I'm facing a brute, for example, I just charge, then charge mm-hmm. again, charge again. I, I just, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. That's neat. Yeah, I haven't actually played around with that. I actually, I took off the sniper rifle because I noticed it was it weighed too much and I wasn't using it, so I just took it off. And I should probably take off the assault rifle as well. I only use that when like shit gets crazy, but I usually well, just use pistol and shotgun, and maybe sometimes SMG. Yeah, uh, yeah. So for a while I carry the SMG as some kind of backup, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. since yeah. I'm only using the pistol and the shotgun, and these days it's only the shotgun. When even when I'm, you know, shooting a guy at you know the far end of the field, I'm still just you know using the shotgun. So <laughs> I might just end up carrying that, you know, in the end. And uh, yeah, I can. I also use Shockwave a lot. I, I really love Shockwave. And, I, uh, yeah, I don't actually use that this much this game. I don't know why. I just stopped using it. I used it a lot in ME2, but now I just, I don't know. I don't use it that much. I use Charge well, Nova. I, I think I use uh, Shockwave the most, you know, like, yeah. you know, as much as Charge, sometimes even more. Mm. But I, I don't use Nova much yet. I, I don't know why. I haven't got around to it. I maxed it, and I think it's very powerful, and I think what I did with it is pretty good, but I, I don't use it that much. Yeah. Well. So far, I'm sure I have occasions to use it. Yeah, I, you know what's sad, man, is I still don't have a heavy pistol. Like, I don't have a single heavy pistol in my entire arsenal. And you got yours because of the collector's edition. Yeah, but I, I mean, I've got a lot of pistols. I think I have like six, six to choose from. I don't have any heavy pistols, though. I have, I have like two or three pistols, but none of them are heavy. Well... I don't know. I mean, the, the category is called heavy pistols. I'm not sure there's some kind of discrimination, but 
basically, it, it's all in the damage, you know. My pistol is slow and it fires heavy rounds. That's yeah. about it. That's what I. That's what I. That's what I miss. I love that in ME too. Well, you know, you can you can also try to customize them, like uh, add damage and that kind of shit. You can yeah. also raise the level of the weapons. Right. I see. I think if you play around, you'll eventually find one which suits you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I maxed out the Predator as soon as I found that option because it was pretty relatively cheap to do that. It's like, a, you know, like seven thousand bucks or something like that to do it right off the bat. But, yeah, yeah, yeah it's a, a pretty expensive. When I maxed the Crusader, it, it cost me like you know the final upgrade was uh, fifteen thousand. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I so mean, I sent- money to me has not been an issue, so I just like spend money. It doesn't really matter. Yeah, I mean, either. I actually bought a VI from some fucking Elkos to, you know, take off my fish, so I wouldn't have to... Oh, wow, that's all those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm just, you know... Yeah, my, fish are, my fish are probably dead at this point. Oh, well. Yeah, I, you know, the, the worst part is, even though I bought this shit for 25000 Oh, my God. <laughs> I still go up and feed them every time, so I just... <laughs> yeah, I, I finished Tuchanka, so I'm not going to tell you how, how that went, but actually, I'm very interesting to to you about it so okay yeah I'll, I'll try to get through it tonight i'm sure i'll probably be able to so and uh yeah anyway, anyway it was pretty cool i, I liked you know the tuchanka mission and I, I liked most of the missions so far you know there's a uh, also a few suburbs missions you know like uh, abduction they're called l7 missions mm. and um you know they are set up in the same zones the multiplayer missions are, are in so mm. it's the same it's the same levels basically mm. I like I like him, but yeah, you you can tell it. These levels are made for multiplayer. Oh yeah, that's what I heard. They had a couple of those. I actually have not. I don't think I have access to the N7 missions. I think that's a collector's edition thing only. But I'm yes. not. I'm not really missing it. So. Oh well, I don't know. They're cool. I, I like him, okay. and I I find actually uh, quite a few weapons in there. So that might be why you like some of them. Yeah, probably. And again, I don't explore the areas too much. I mean, if I see something, I'm going to go run and grab it. But I'm not going to like stop the mission pacing to wander around the battle zone to find like you know a scope for my pistol. Like, yeah, yeah. fuck it. I don't. I don't care. Well, you know. I I I do that, of course. I mean, of I course. just yeah. Even when they just tell me, you know, my my teammates are like, "Is this way? Is this way? Come on, let's hurry up." And I'm just like, "Oh wait." <laughs> I go check up that you know dark tunnel over there. I guess there's nothing. Oh, well, there's another one over there. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It, it, to me, that brings back like the issue I had with the game in general. The structure of the game is there's impending doom of the galaxy, and Shepard's, and then and then you're wandering on a citadel, and someone's like, "Man, I really could use some air compressors for my ship," and Shepard's like, "I can get those for you." Because <laughs> yeah. gets the random well, thing and bring it back to the citadel. Here you go, man. I found these for you. Oh, thanks, Shepard. That's that's more of uh, an RPG problem than a massive oh. problem. I think, like you know, it's always the same fucking bullshit. It is, but in this game, it's particularly off-putting because the game starts out with the impending doom of humanity. Like, yep, shits hit the fan. Shepard, you better rush to the Citadel and rush to save the galaxy. And like, you know what? I got some time. I'm gonna go feed my fish. <laughs> it's just yeah, a well, little, you know. Thing is, like Lyra says, or. You it know, took centuries, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, it's not go- It's not going to happen, you know, overnight. But yeah, sure, I, I agree with you in that regard. But I, I think it's, it's a problem with the structure of the game. You can't, it's, it's not really possible to do it otherwise, you know, except <laughs> yeah. just changing the plot. Uh, but yeah. Well, I just think, I mean, here's how I would have resolved that. Not that I'm a professional writer or anything, but I would just not have the game open with 
Reaper's Landing on Earth. Like, make that a mid-game thing. Yeah, of no? course. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, if we go that way, sure, I, I agree. I also don't think having the Reapers already there was a, a good idea. But uh, at the same time, it's not as bad as I thought when I first saw the trailer, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I can't understand why the Reapers, it's, it's what I thought. I thought they would be arresting and not just destroying the world, and that's why it took so long. And that's what they're doing. So it's a smart uh, writing decision to me. Mm. And uh, I, I think overall the writing is, is not that bad. But uh, yeah, yeah, I will probably, you know, there's also technical, you know, limitations. So I, yeah. I, I guess I can understand. It's it's easy to, you know, in insight, to just complain and say, oh, I would have done that differently. But I think there are limitations we don't necessarily think about or know about. So yeah, yeah. I mean, and they they did relatively spit this game out pretty quick. I mean, two years. For yeah. this, I mean, you know, they had, of course, they had the engine built in and they made a couple of refinements, but overall, all the missions are new, all the scenarios are new, all the locations are new. Even though it's at the Citadel, it's new areas of the Citadel. They're not reusing older assets, so. Yeah, and it's coherent within the universe, and yeah. they've got all these customizations, which they are taking into account. Uh, that's a, I think that was the main, uh, you know, Casey Hudson said a while back it was a really big deal, mm-hmm. and, you know, a great burden for them, and uh, I think it is. Even though we're not necessarily seeing it in the game, I think it is. And uh, every time, the I mean that part in the Grissom Academy with David Archer, I, I was honestly impressed by it. Really impressed. Mm. Yeah, I, I wish I had played Overlord recent more recently to recall what my decision was and how that ended. But based on the fact that I didn't see him at the Grissom Academy. I'm presuming I chose differently than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> In all those yeah. DLC things, I almost always chose the Renegade option because at that point I was playing a Renegade playthrough. and I had more fun doing those. <laughs> yeah, well, what was fun to be a Renegade? I mean, you know, I I, um, I try to walk the line between the two. You know, yeah. in, this, in this playthrough, I'm mostly Paragon because yeah. I, I just choose uh, the options that make the most sense to me. So it's usually Paragon, but sometimes Renegade. So yeah, yeah. I mean, on my first playthrough of these kind of games, I always choose how I personally feel, like my gut reaction. I don't think about yeah. how it would be Renegade or, Par- or Paragon. I don't. Even, it doesn't even come into my consideration. I'm just like, yeah, I would choose this. I think you're being a dick, you Solarian like council person. Here's what I say to that. You know. Yeah. So yeah, I guess we can um, wrap this up and move on to user questions now. We've talked about Mass Effect Core quite a bit. Sure. And this week, Nomad's been gracious enough to create another track for us between segments. This one's called Serpico. Welcome back, guys. We have a lot of user questions to get through, and I'm just going to answer them in no particular order. I mean, I guess the way we have about eight or nine questions. Uh, thanks, guys, for sending them. Please keep posting questions. I'm sure you'll come up with more as we continue. So, the first question we have comes from uh, Dark Link. Dark Link or Dark Link? I think it's Dark Link, but he likes to throw it off by. Uh, capitalizing yeah. the K. It was user, it was you know at first originally Dark Link, like uh-huh. from Zelda 2. Sure. Yeah. Since, I, since I kept calling him Darky and making fun of him, I think he 
decided to change the spelling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, the question is, uh, tell us your experiences, good and bad, with MMORPGs and the weirdest people you've met, the worst ones you've sat through for some reason, and your first awkward time playing one. Anything fun, funny about the genre? Um, I mean, even though n- neither I nor Zeal currently play MMOs, it's a topic that comes up in conversation a lot because both of us are very uh, experienced with video games in general and we know about video game news. and It's a big topic, so the topic comes up a lot. But, I mean, my feeling is about MMOs, like, first of all, I should say my pedigree. So I've only played World of Warcraft. I've not played EverQuest or anything like that. Actually, I played Age of Conan as well very briefly when it first came out, but I, I didn't stay with it very long. I'm not even sure I played more than a month. I, got, I think I got my free month and then bailed out. But most of my experiences with, with WoW, I think I've played around maybe three months worth, which is probably a drop in the bucket for most people. But for me, it was more than enough time to realize that it was not for me. Uh, I, I don't have the dedication to invest hundreds of hours in a single game like that, particularly not when I'm not like an online social person to begin with. I'd rather just kind of solo stuff. I don't like having to group up with strangers and deal with their bullshit you know, so I, I just like to play those games solo, and those games solo were no fun. So uh, I'll let Azil answer, but I have a little bit more to say. But I wanted to get let him give it his chance. So Azil, your experience the most? Well, yeah, I played a, a few of them. The ones that uh, I played first and that I spent most time on was EverQuest. I played for two years and a half, I think, and uh, mostly during the Konark and uh, Valius uh, period and extensions. And yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was a great time for me. You know, really great experience, but uh, it was enough. So once I was done playing EverQuest, I I lost interest in the in the genre, and uh, I played a few afterwards. Um, mostly Age of Conan. I think that's the one I played longest afterwards. Just had some fun, mm-hmm. but you know, again, I wasn't interested in playing for a long time because I, I'm not the kind of guy who can just play like one hour or here and there or just play sometimes, not every time. I, I do it completely. I get immersed in the game. I play it a lot. So I just don't have time for it. And uh, it's not worth the sacrifice. And most of the games get old pretty quickly. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I had a lot of fun with EverQuest and I have endless anecdotes to tell about it. So Yeah, I mean, my big problem with the genre in general is that it's not like adventurous enough. Uh, it, is, it has to do with the, sh- the way the games are made. Uh, the things Azil's told me about the way EverQuest used to be and the way things used to be set up, it interests me so much more than the way Blizzard has done with, with their worlds. It's because in, in Blizzard, everything's scripted. Everything's like already explored. There's no like question about the limits of the world. Whereas in EverQuest, there wasn't even a mini-map. You had to like use a spell to point yourself in the right direction like a compass and then walk <laughs> in that direction. I mean, and there was just so much that you didn't know about the world, whereas in World of Warcraft, everything's charted out already. Everyone pretty much knows everything about the world. And I well, just miss those early days of still figuring out what the genre was going to be about and to figure out how the interactions were going to go. I mean, I miss those that heady time. Yeah, well, you know, that's also why Blizzard's making so much money, though. It's because the game is easy, it's made so that any, you know, idiot can, you know, get to play and have a good time and gain levels. Mm -hmm. I mean, not going back to Ultimate Online, but even in EverQuest, even though the PvP was relatively restricted on normal servers, it was a tough game. You know, dying 
dying was, you know, serious. You died, you lost hours and hours of, of you know, play and everything was, you know, harsh. Like you said, there wasn't any maps. We had to, mm-hmm. to download maps, which people drew, you know, and scanned. So, uh, but yeah, it, it was really a good time. That sense of exploration of, you know, camaraderie you, you found with people you met or people you knew, it was pretty good. And, you know, back in the day, we... At first, we didn't even have, you know, any some kind of, you know, vocal communication. We just, you know, typed. Yeah. I, it was all very limited and uh, very nice, and also multicultural. You know, there were yeah. just, you know, uh, you know, the servers weren't divided by like European, Asian, mm-hmm. uh, you know, American. So I played on Karana, which was at the time considered a French server, but you know. There were as many Americans and, you know, people from UK and Germans. There were even Japanese people there. So mm. it was very multicultural and so very interesting. Yeah. That does sound cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, back then, the it wasn't just about grinding necessarily, as I recall. It was also about exploring the world and, and yeah. knowing, figuring oh. out how things work. There, there, was, obviously, there was a lot of grinding, I know. Yeah, I was about to say, yes, there was a lot of grinding. But yeah, also a lot of exploration, you know, places... Yeah, you know, just weird places, cool ideas, many many things, and of course many idiots. So sure. Yeah, but was, go ahead. No, I was going to say to go back to Darkling's question. Uh, weirdest people I've met. I don't know. Japanese people were pretty weird in that they were silent. They they, they didn't know how to speak. So I don't even show how they communicated with themselves. But yeah, they were all very, very powerful. You know, hardcore, get really hardcore into it. Huh. At, um, I guess the weirdest guy, the weirdest guy, or one of the weirdest guys I met, was some kind of idiot who was into role playing. You know, most of all, so oh god, he, he wasn't much of a serious player, but he had been ra- raising lovers because he played with others in groups. But yeah, he was a, a, a do-gooder, always you know nice to people. And I played a dark elf in the game, uh, Shadow Knight, so I was you know evil basically, and. Uh, at the time, I remember my friends or my guildmates kept telling me uh, I was the only guy who didn't have to role-play being a dark elf because I was <laughs> naturally evil. So one of these days, this guy I was talking about, uh, I was, you know, just meeting him like that, you know, and uh, he said, oh, here you are, Azil. Oh, you still got that, you know, dark elf face of yours or something like that. He was speaking French. So I told him, I oh, still look like a fucking moron. And... <laughs> He was really, really saddened by that. <laughs> anyway, I guess. But yeah, I don't know. There were a lot of weird people. Yeah. I I don't have any stories like that because, again, I soloed most of my time on MMOs. I, uh, I don't like pickup groups. The concept of pick-up pick groups like just com- re- repels me. I, I, it sounds horrible to me. So I never yeah. had any good experiences with pickup groups. So I never bothered. I did, but at the time, I mostly played with my best friend, who was also my neighbor, yeah. and uh, we, we were so in sync with each other that other people, you know, some people thought we were just one person doing, like playing two characters at once. Oh, yeah. We were always, you know, off to some, you know, stupid adventures in places that were way too hard for us, mm. and just, you know, playing the two of us, or, you know, you know honestly, I have, you know, a lot of anecdotes, but they're boring, they're only amusing to me or to people who know the game, so... <laughs> That's cool. I mean, I, I have stories to tell of, of non-MMO games. We won't get into those. I, I play a lot of online games, mostly shooters. Uh, some crazy things have happened with those, but, you know, it's not like an MMO. So we'll just move on. Um, 
Question two comes from Joe Chip. Is there any? Is there something you would like to see Kentaro Miura draw, or is there a genre in particular that you wish he'll start telling his new story? I guess you mean like you know after Berserk is over, what will Miura do? I mean, uh, there's an yeah, interview. Uh, go, go ahead, Zil. I was going to say the answer is obvious. It's you know sci-fi. Yeah, that, I, my my quick my quick answer is I would love him to see him return return to sci-fi particularly with how his art has developed and how his storytelling has developed over time. I would love to see what he could do in that genre now. And particularly a new series with Miura would be very interesting to me because it's a whole it's a fresh start, you know. Not that I don't love Berserk, obviously I do, but I would love to see the new stuff he could come up with as well. I'm very excited and I hope that he will do another story. Yeah, <laughs> he says indeed. he will. He says he will, but that was a long time ago, so well, I, I think he's still interested in uh, in doing something. You know, people like him, even when he'll be 60 or 70, he'll still want to keep going. Well, at least I think he, he will. So yeah. as, long, as long as he has the, the energy and the health, yeah. I, think, yeah, I think he'll keep going. And uh, I really would like, really, really uh, would like to see a sci-fi story from Mira. Yep, same. I, I think it's the natural next step for him, given his interests. Uh, yeah. So, uh, next question uh, comes from Ryoma. What are your top three favorite movies of all time? I had a really difficult time doing this. Uh, if you asked me like 10 years ago, my answers would be very easy uh, because my experience with movies was, was not as broad. But now I've seen so many movies, my tastes have, have broadened and developed over time. So it's really difficult to say these are my top three because my interests are so varied. But I mean, if you're asking me right now, I would probably say uh, Seven Samurai is in that list. Big Lebowski is in that list. And it's a toss-up between like Die Hard and Commando for me. For <laughs> One of those two makes it in the list. So, Well, for me, theory. it would have to be Transformer 2 and uh, The New Twilight. And, uh, no, I'm just, <laughs> Holy shit. I'm just, ki- I'm just kidding. No, honestly, I, I, I can't say I really have a list. Uh, as you know, Walter, I don't really like to make a list in general, yeah. and uh, I'm just not that kind of person. But I like a lot of old school action movies, but I also like a lot of, you know, classic movies. So honestly, I I don't know. I can't I can't give you a list. It would be it wouldn't be you know genuine. So right. I'm just going to not answer. That's fine. Yeah, I mean, it would be even more difficult for me if someone asked your fop, top three video games. It would be even more difficult for me. Yeah, to I mean, shoot, yeah. So we're not going to get into that. Honestly, um, I, I couldn't give I couldn't give a list for of anything like a top three list of anything. I, I couldn't. It's just not my. I don't like to choose. So yeah. Really, top three favorite manga? You couldn't do that. Well, I, I can say Berserk is my top manga number <laughs> one, but that's about it. I can't give you a, another two. Yeah. Well, I can tell you Vagabond is anything. So. <laughs> oh my! You have not even read it. <laughs> no, I'm, yeah, I'm just saying that to piece of grief. And I know, I know. <laughs> Next question: uh, Since the eclipse, has there been a plot turn that's completely blindsided you? This is from Apostle Bob. Um, Azia, I'll let you start. Well, you know, I, 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 there's a lot of things in Berserk I've seen coming. Honestly, a lot of things, you know. But uh, at the same time, there's also a lot of things you can't see coming. Like, like I was saying earlier to, to Walter. When Ganishka was uh, went through his second transmutation, I expected him to do it even before we are shown in Windham what was going to happen. But of course, 
how could I possibly expect he would become a mile high being, like a fucking giant, you know, head in the clouds? So yeah, I, I didn't see that coming, and uh, there are uh, you know quite a few times where I didn't expect some things, but at the same time, it's really it's really hard to answer that question. You know, yeah, some things you can't expect. Some other things, uh, actually, I I always feel pretty, you know, I would say satisfied with myself that I saw them coming. But uh, yeah, so I didn't see that coming, and of course. Before volume, you know, 25, I couldn't have imagined uh, Gus would uh, receive a Berserk armor, which actually, I always thought the title Berserk wasn't necessarily very accurate to depict Gus' way of fighting. But the armor totally justified that. Mm-hmm. So I always found it very interesting. And of course, yeah, I couldn't see that coming. I mean, who could, who could have seen... You know, even the importance magic would take and the way the world developed, you know, after volume 22, after basically Griffiths, you know, came back, Femto was incarnated. It was, you know, really hard to foresee. So in that regard, all these very big developments, you know, were hard to foresee, you know, in volume, you know, let's say 19, I couldn't mm-hmm. have seen it coming. Yeah, I always picked, put volume 19 and 20 as like, the departures from what you can you can you have this you can stop predicting things from that point like your your vision of what could happen like it's there's no way you could make accurate predictions past volume 19 if you're in the yeah. moment you know it's things start changing quite a bit for me i mean probably when skull knight appears is the one that comes to mind immediately uh in most in 34 when he slashes femto i mean yeah, of course. Hind, hindsight being 2020 of course, Skull Knight's going to make an appearance if a Godham member makes an appearance. Historically, that's been pretty you know, accurate as part for the course. But at the time, we did not expect to see him intervene in that moment. So that, for me, yeah. was a big surprise. But the Berserk's armor, I mean, actually, yeah, the fact that he got an advanced armor that Guts did is a surprise. But, I mean, a couple of us did kind of call the interaction with the Beast in the armor. I think I made a Photoshop joke of the Beast's head on top of the armor like a, a chat or an episode or two before it actually happened, but I mean, yeah. I was kind of, I was kind of half joking that that would be the case. Yeah, but it actually I mean, turned out to be true. Before we even saw the armor in Flora's mansion, like you know, right. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, the when I first started reading Berserk, I I, I loved to jump headfirst into speculations and stuff, and, and really chart out how the series is going to go. But the more I've become attached to it the less I like to get specifically into speculations because, I mean, a, a, a growing part of me wants to know less about the future so that I, I can be genuinely surprised when things happen. And so I, I don't really put my whole heart into speculations as I, as I once used to. So I try not to focus on it too much. I want Mira to surprise me, and he has. He, you know, he often surprises us. So. Well, yeah. I, um, I mean, I never try to... to, to I mean, I never consciously speculate about the future but my mind just wanders and I, I get these ideas yeah. and uh, I can say I'm, I'm often surprised by the, the turns the, the plot take you know I, I often often it's what I thought would happen or it's close to what I thought would happen but it's, it's more the details that can yeah. sometimes you know yeah the details you can't expect it's impossible to, to foresee so yeah right I mean you can see the general's flow of the series relatively well. Like they're gonna go to Elfhelm, 
They're going to attempt to restore Casca, but how that's going to happen, the way that's going to happen, that's I mean, I don't I don't want to know until it happens, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, for example, one thing I foresaw, or I guess I could say I foresaw is, I thought going to Alfam, there might be a way there to cure Casca, you know, before we were told. But mm. is that really? I mean, that's nothing. Anybody could have foreseen that. So yeah. Again, it's not it's nothing special. Right. So details are what's hard to foresee. Right. The next question comes from Kali Ma, and the question is, what do you think of the future of the Japanese manga market and the future of Berserk? Do you think it can continue in its printed form for the next 10 years, or will something need to be done for the industry to keep things going? Uh, this is something I'm very passionate about, and um, basically, I don't think... I think the largest obstacle... To manga, the industry right now is the internet and the convenience there is in getting basically entire series, thousands of pages, you know, like years of people's work in a matter of clicks. Like just click, click, done. Got the zip file, done. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, in order to combat that, the quickest solution is for those companies, the companies that own these titles, to jump in the internet, establish legitimate ways to download these for like an, a, a reasonable price. And make it legitimate, make the format itself legitimate, but, you know, offer us, let, let us pay. You know, if there was a Young Animal way to download the berserk part of Young Animal for like, you know, I would even pay up to like 10 bucks an episode probably if they made me. I would, I would gladly pay that for, for yeah, berserk. That's just you and I, you know, I mean, not everybody would specifically, you know, not the so Japanese people, the so Japanese market wouldn't. Sure. But, uh, yeah. Not even going to ten dollars uh, for it. I think you know it's complicated because the thing is, people are going to buy Young Animal for Berserk, but they get a lot of other series, and mm -hmm. these series, if they if they weren't bundled with the big ones, they couldn't you know get sold. If they weren't, there's not just Berserk, there's also Detroit Metal City and a few others like you know March Lion and such. You know, without these. The smaller series, the shittier series, couldn't be sold, and so these people couldn't keep their jobs. So you know, it's it's a bit uh, complicated. I think the the industry has to move towards internet, and in a way, the Japanese industry is doing that a bit. And many titles are available on uh, mobile phones and such. And I think it's going to keep moving in that direction, specifically with tablets and uh, phones and such. So yeah, I think it's, it's uh, you know inevitable. But the Japanese people and Japanese companies in general are very conservative, so they are always reluctant to move forward. And I think that's been a disservice to them. In the same way that not really going all out against uh, online piracy has been you know a disservice to them. So I think if they were smart, they would try to yeah push the online factor quite quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, there's video games are fa facing a similar, although not nearly as dire, situation right now. And to me, what has helped PC games is Steam. Mm -hmm. Services like Steam that basically they have a huge amount of titles and it's for a very reasonable price. But the main compelling part about Steam is it's convenient. Like within two or three clicks, you can have that game downloading onto your drive. Wow. And it, it downloads and installs with the same click. I mean, done. Yeah, at the same time, there's one thing uh, for manga is that you know, a lot of people like to have a book in their hands. And, yeah, uh, 
I, I, real, real quick, just real quick. I, I, I actually read Walking Dead. I used to go out and buy the comics at the comic store, but now I download it onto my Kindle Fire. It's not nearly as good of a reading experience. While it is extremely convenient to have that service, it's nothing like opening the physical page and having that you know spread out across two pages. There's nothing like it, and yeah. it's not going to be a replacement for physical at all. But it's really it's the convenience that's the key here. You know, the fact that I can get it. Really quickly download, but continue, Azil. I'm sorry. I was just going to say I think the two the two you know, forms will uh, you know coexist. Uh, but the, the real question is uh, pre-publication magazines. Those are not doing so well, and uh, I see, I believe a few of them are, are have disappeared. And uh, yeah, I think that that's the main problem. Mm. People are going to have to. St- Start finding new ways to you know, publish their artwork before they are published as you know volumes. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I I don't know how it will happen. There might be some platforms which arise and allow you know some kind of uh, individual you know mangaka to start you know publishing by themselves individually independently. Mm-hmm. I I don't know how it will happen, but I think the industry is bound to face a form of transformation. Well, to me, they've already been faced with that challenge. It's a matter of them like getting their balls together and actually making the decision yeah. to adopt new yeah, policies. Because I mean, the 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 the, the, cha- the challenge is right in front of them. It's here today. It's not like it's something that's coming in the future. Yeah, what's crazy to me is that Japanese manga is more popular than ever, but the profits don't follow because a right. lot of it is being downloaded illegally. So right. they have to find a way to monetize that that you know market. Yeah. I mean, the question itself asks about Berserk's future. I mean, all I'll say is that I really hope the industry adopts a format that allows Miura to continue doing what he does. I mean, I don't know the financial end of what Miura's success has been. I hope it's been very profitable for him, but I have no idea. I imagine it has been, uh, and I hope it continues to be that way. So whatever format they adopt, I hope it continues to be profitable for him. Well, he, he deserves it, so... Yeah, I, I don't think Mira, you know, has financial problems, honestly. And uh, I don't think Berzak is directly concerned by this kind of stuff because while it's not a record-breaking, you know, series in terms of sale, uh, it's still popular enough that it shouldn't have, you know, a problem in that regard. But, uh, right. yeah, I, I don't think Berzak is going to be too bothered by that unless Young Animal goes, uh, I mean, he's, you know, stopped. But yeah. even even then, Mura could get Berserk published in other magazine. It's not a big problem. Well, yeah, Berserk's like the flagship title for Young Animal. I mean, uh, isn't it? Isn't it? Is that not? Is that an accurate assumption? Well, it it used to be. I'm not sure it still is, but it's really? still one of the flagship titles. Well, yeah, I mean, it's probably still the biggest seller they have. Right. Okay. I don't know for sure, but probably. But yeah, Marsh Lion or Marsh comes in like a lion, and uh, oh they yeah, yeah. they sell pretty well. And since Berserk is uh, often on break, long breaks nowadays, you know, it might have changed. Yeah. But it's, it's still one of the, the you know, record-breaking titles so for, for them, for Hakusensha. Okay. Moving on, next question. Um, this one comes from Nomad. He asks, Walter, Griffin, Azil, it's been 10 years on this forum. Are you satisfied with what SKNet has become? Is it considered more of an accomplishment versus a job? Has the current activity amongst members met expectations? Um, it's a difficult question to answer. Uh, I mean, because to me, the level of interaction on the forum has changed so much over time. Like, it started out as a hobby, 
uh, and it used to be very easy to manage, um, but it, it changed as the as the forum grew and all the different like things that required doing grew. <laughs> there was a time when I was at the same time I was creating emoticons, working on the new edition of the encyclopedia, and redoing the forum. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's not. I wouldn't call it. I've never thought of it as a job. It's always been fun, but it just. The level of involvement it requires of the admins in general has increased over time. Uh, even yeah. though the series rate decreases, there's always there's are always things to do. And if I had like my one sentiment that I wish members would really pay attention to is that like to me what bothers me is the level of contribution among general members is, is low. If you look on the the average number of users that actually contribute content, and I, I don't mean posts because. The first thing people will say is, well, I don't contribute because you and Azil say everything for us. Like, no, I'm not talking about posts and replies. That's a separate issue. Like, there's so many things people could do for the forum that they just don't think about or they don't put forth the effort to. Like, the biggest one to me is, like, you know, translations. Not everyone has translation abilities, but anybody can learn basic hiragana and, and get the software to interpret kanji. And that's something me and Azil do. And me and Azil are not Japanese literate at all. Like, me and him can read basic hiragana and katakana. Like, it's not a big problem to do that. Anybody can do that in like a matter of months. But I mean, we do the transcriptions, and that takes a lot of time. And we have a site with six thousand members, and only two of them are putting forth the time to help Puela, our only translator for the whole site. And if we have six thousand members and only one person that's actually doing translations, that's a problem. I mean, I'm sure there are Japanese literate people out there that don't contribute because they're either too lazy or they see that Puel is doing it, so they don't do it. I mean, that, that bothers me personally that people are out there that have the ability to help but don't help because others do. I mean, just put in, put in some work on things for the site. I mean, and as, as many features as me and Azil come up with and Griff come up with, you know, there's still stuff that we haven't thought about or we don't have the time to do that people could come up with. They just, they just don't. I mean, it, that, that bothers me. I wish more people would help the form out, particularly – when it's low on you know posts and content and things like that, just go ahead and make some stuff. So, yeah, I agree with the sentiment. Specifically, uh, yeah, everything you said about tra- translations and you know uh, participation, and I would like to add that uh, you know I'm not much of a topic creator myself uh, for many reasons, but you know, yeah, people shouldn't hesitate to post new ideas or just to spark discussion. It's not something they're going to be judged for. And if it sucks anyway, it will just be removed. So it's not a big deal. I mean, nobody's going to get, you know, their hand slapped for it. But, uh, yeah, I, I wish people would participate uh, more as well. And as for the exact question, uh, yeah, I'm pretty satisfied with what uh, Scorner has become. Is that it's a beacon of light in a sea of darkness, as I like to think of it. Meaning we try to keep, you know, proper knowledge and correct information and, you know, intelligent discussion. And when you look at the state of, there's almost no Berserk communities out there except us. And uh, most of the stuff you can find at Berserk is just either wrong, incorrect, or stupid. If you read a Wikipedia article on Berserk, I haven't, I haven't gone there in, you know, many years, but back when it was created, it was just full of shit. Completely incorrect. And yeah, it, I'm pretty glad that there's one place, at least one place, where people get it right. And if you want to get accurate information, you can get it. So I'm, I'm proud of that. And I'm proud of all members. 
I like most of them, and I know a lot of members personally, so yeah, I- I'm glad with that. As for whether it is an accomplishment versus a job, well, it's an accomplishment, but it's also a job for me. I'll be honest, it's it's been a job for a long time, and yeah, I mean, whether it is uh, when I'm, you know, validating member registrations or arguing against people, yeah, it's often like a job. You know, it's mm-hmm. not it's not very present. Well, I do it because I, I feel a sense of duty. Yeah, I'm. I've I've never thought of it as a job just because I, I, I even when I'm doing mundane stuff I I enjoy it because I'm helping out a community that I love I mean I guess I didn't reiterate that enough when I first talked but I am very proud of the site and for particularly for your reasons that Azil said like I've always wanted a site to go to that wasn't completely full of shit and that I could look at you know I could open any thread and not be like embarrassed by the content that was there and also yeah. I've always I've always wanted not even just to own or manage, but to go to a site that had lots of new content all the time and that wasn't embarrassing. I mean, that's the the two like tenets of what I think Skull Knight is, is great is great for, particularly since it's been going for ten years. So I mean, I'm very I'm very very proud of it. Like you know, this is a sad thing, but I, I put it on my my resume whenever when people ask me about that, like what my accomplishments are. I mentioned SkullKnight.net and they ask me about it and I say, well, it's an online forum that I've managed for 10 years. And they're like, oh, really? Wow. I'm like, yeah, well, it's something I'm very proud of. So I don't have a problem mentioning that and I've done it for every job interview. So very proud of it. Um, let's see. Next question. Uh, this one's from another one from Kali Ma. The forum has been around for a while in its current form. I remember it, it looked a little different a few years ago. What improvements would you like to make to the forum in the future, or is it perfect as is? Um, it's, it's not perfect. Uh, I love the, the way it looks right now, but I'm always thinking of new, newer things, most of which, I'd say like 99% of which, are not within my reach. As someone who does not know how to code, I cannot modify extensive portions of the forum myself. Uh, my abilities in coding extend to copying and pasting other people's code. I mean, that's that's how much I know about coding. But go ahead, Azil. You were going to say that? No, yeah, I was going to say, so forum, yeah, there are, there are things that could get better, but I, I think the the other parts of the site are the ones that should be revamped first. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I won't hide the fact that I've delayed it because I, I had a project to, to start doing that, and I, I delayed it for, I don't know, years. Like many other things, so yeah, it's definitely not perfect, and uh, there are a lot of things we could be doing. But again, just two people, you know, we don't necessarily have the time nor the motivation. So yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, if I had to pick one aspect of the site that I would love to improve, and Azil's probably sick of me saying it, but like the way threads flow really bothers me. Like, there's a big problem, in my opinion, of if you're at the end of a thread post, like say you're on page like. 19 of a thread and you post something significant at the bottom of page 19 and then some guy posts yeah guys looks cool and his post becomes the new page the new post at the top of page 20 whatever's posted at the top of the bottom of page 19 mostly gets cast by the wayside i mean that's terrible that's that's a terrible situation to be in because then the conversation will flow based on the topic of the posts on top of page 20 so i would love to create a solution that remedied that. And of course, the obvious solution is just to invert the way posts are structured, meaning the page one, the top post, would be the most recent post, and then it would go down from that. And your most recent post would always be on top. But that's not a logical way for a thread to progress for people that are new to the thread. 
So if you were like on a 99-page thread, you'd have to start at page 99 and read up backwards from that if you wanted to follow it in sequence. So that's not a solution. That's a terrible solution. So I'm always thinking of ways to make that remedied. I don't think it can be in the way the current the, the form currently is. It would have to be a dramatic modification to the way things are updated. So Yeah, or something pretty complicated, like to have uh, the last few posts floating above the rest, but yeah. Oh, that'd be, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, do, thought, it's doable, but yeah, complicated. Yeah, I, I've, I, I've thought of solutions to it, but the solutions themselves cause many, many other problems, and then it becomes not even worth it for what many consider probably not even a big deal. But to me, it's a big deal personally. So, well, I know I just I just check you know previous pages just in case every time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm I'm pretty diligent about it too, but I've seen so many posts get lost because of that problem. So, ah, oh, well. I mean, people don't even pay attention to posts that are in the same page of the thread, yeah. much less the previous page, you know? So, ugh. To me, I think, you know, people will pay attention, you know, if they, if they want to, and uh, if they don't pay attention, it means they wouldn't have paid attention anyway. Yep. Next question um, comes from Smogass. What are the most stupid debate arguments you had on the forum, or maybe thread, member, or comment? Uh... Um, I would say Zechnow probably wins. Yeah. Stupid, stupid member, stupid debate, stupid argument and comment. <laughs> he is the king. And many people probably, many newer members, I should say, might not remember Zek. Um, yeah. He left in 2005 by our hand, as far as I recall. Basically, yeah. he was this guy that really loved to argue stupidly for stupid causes and in a stupid manner. And he would, he basically, the sad part about Zech was that he knew just enough to be dangerously stupid about the series. He knew just enough to, to, to word things in the right way to make you think it maybe seemed reasonable. But if you looked at what he was saying, it was completely bullshit. Like, I actually looked up some of his past posts to make sure I was remembering, remembering this correctly. But there was a time in volume 22 when he was arguing that. You know when uh, Apostles and Griffith attack that Kushan force, uh, the castle being held, yeah. and, and, and the Bakiraka intervene, and all that stuff yeah. happens? At the time, yeah, it's the right, shit. And there's a, there's a scene, there's a panel, actually, where you see Apostles eating humans, and, there, and there's like a big, there, it's a wall of flames near them. Yeah. Well, he thought those were zombies, and he was so sure <laughs> that those Apostles were zombies, <laughs> only because they were on fire. That was the grounds for his entire <laughs> argument, and he was, he was basically saying that... Uh, those those were definitely zombies. Why? Because apostles couldn't have entered the town yet. That was his argument. Because, but there were dead bodies there, so they must have been dead bodies that were risen from the grave. So that was his argument for why there were zombies in the berserk world, and that those were zombies. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, he he was very dedicated to idiot arguments. To 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 be honest, I, I've argued with so many people about stupid shit. That I can't remember. I mean, I don't remember anything, and they all mix together in my mind. They're, they're, like, they're, they're, all, they're all the same person, and uh, yeah, yeah, Zach, he was, yeah, he was a pretty big idiot. You know, thinking yeah. back, you know, I don't, I don't know why we kept him around for so long. I guess at the time, we were really more into the, you know, we didn't want to abuse our power. I mean, I put that in quotes, you know, abuse. But uh, yeah, the guy. I remember being very frustrated because so many threads were just, you know, ruined by this guy. Like we had interesting discussions going on. He just barged in, started saying bullshit, 
and because we wouldn't just delete his posts, you know, I started replying and it, it went on for pages and pages, giant posts, which at the end mm-hmm. didn't even mean anything. It was just, you know, he was just Completely saying bullshit. Yeah, yeah, he was just doing bullshit. And I, I, I wasted my time and I knew I was wasting my time. And uh, yeah, so yeah, he was definitely one of the worst things to happen to the forum. Yeah, actually, we we commemorated his um, what do you call it contribution to the forum by creating a chat bot in the chat called <laughs> yeah. is, it, is it Zekbot or Mech Mechazek is yeah, the name of the yeah the I called him Mechazek yeah so bas- basically we can bring in Mechazek into the chat room whenever we want to <laughs> and here's what will happen uh, the bot responds to anything anyone says with like a simple pre-programmed reply and so if you have like five people saying things to each other. Mechazek must have a reply to each of those things, and he'll just keep on spamming it until everyone's like, fuck this, we're leaving. And that was like Zek, whenever he was on the board. Yeah, <laughs> he would just say much. a bunch of bullshit, and everyone would be like, fuck this, I'm just leaving the thread. So so thanks a lot, Zek. So there you go. Yeah, I, I remember uh, I summoned it a few times, of course, to piss people off uh, in, the, in the chat room. I know Grail was <laughs> pretty frustrated with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he takes the cake. Um, next question. Uh, are there any particular orchestral soundtracks that you over time have mentally assigned to Berserk rather than what they originally scored for? I think we addressed this two podcasts ago, but again, I don't necessarily associate orchestrations with Berserk. I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying like my natural inclination is not to think orchestrations. Uh, I think usually darker, more melodic stuff. To Yeah. Maybe even synth because of Hirazawa's influence. Yeah, I'm even more hardcore in that I don't associate any music with Berserk. I read in silence because uh, I I don't know. I guess uh, it's in my head. I, I don't even know, but I read in silence. I don't put up any music, and so I don't associate any music with Berserk specifically. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm welcome to suggestions if someone has like a couple ideas for orchestrations that they think work with Berserk. I think it's a cool idea. I, I, I like reading Berserk to music, but it's very particular because I don't want the music to interrupt the experience. And so lyrics are out of the question to me. Like you can't listen to something with lyrics while reading Berserk. It just throws the whole thing out of whack. So if it's yeah. instrumental, then, then, then great. And it, particularly, it can't be too orchestrated. And by that, I mean it can't have the, the, the notes themselves can't interfere with the reading. It should be more atmospheric, I think, for a reading experience. So. If anybody has any great ideas for like listening music while Berserk, then great, throw them out there. Mm-hmm. Next question, uh, this is from Praj. I'm not sure we can answer it, but I'll go ahead and try. Uh, the question is, Falconia, I can understand the sudden appearances of various beings after Fantasia, but how does Falconia appear? The other beings were always there, albeit in different layers of the world, but does that mean Falconia was as well? I ask because the city itself seems very Griffith-themed. This confuses my pea brain. Um, I mean, well, yeah, it's a uh, it's a tough question to answer. One thing is that Falconia, I think, uh, is based on uh, Geyser's old capital. So in that regard, uh, it was there in a way. But yeah, it's you know themed uh, around uh, Griffiths, and uh, yeah, I don't know exactly how it's possible, but pretty clearly. When the when you know the wars were merged, the Godan did it for a reason. So uh, the four members who had stayed back uh, came into the world, and at the same time, uh, Griffiths uh, finally had its city and I, I imagine his castle as well. 
Yeah, we don't know the details of how it happened. I can, I, I'm pretty sure the city is based on Geyserix or Capitan, and so that's how it could, you know, resurface. But as for why it's Griffith, you know, it's themed around Griffith and how it all happened, we don't know the details just yet. And actually, I'm not sure we will, we ever will. I mean, it's the same way as asking how the incarnation worked or such a thing. We don't know the exact details. Uh, yeah, I mean, the logistics of how it happened, I, I sincerely doubt we'll ever see an explanation for that. I mean, it, might, it might be. I mean, maybe I'm underestimating it. But to me, I mean, if you think about the power of ideas in the world of Berserk, I think it's possible that Griffith's dream was so strong that it became reality or something like that. You know, that he dreamed for his city for so long, for his kingdom for so long, that in the ideal or astral world, it became to have like form. And that's part of what rose on that day. That's just talking out of my ass. Yeah. I mean, honestly, there's just many possibilities. So I don't even want to get started on that kind of stuff because it's endless. Yeah, and the the thing is, you're asking us about Falconia. I mean, look at the amount of text that's in that Falconia episode. It's like nothing. I mean, the people were like, wow, look at that city. It looks like the old city. Yep, let's go into it. There you go. So, I mean, we haven't really gotten a lot of information about Falconia other than that it did appear along with all the other creatures. So, I mean, maybe we'll see more, but right now we're on the very cusp of it even being here. So, I mean, we don't have any answers for you. And I think it's also a case of, you know, the image speaking for itself. You know, yeah. Volume 34 was all about that. Mira showed us the world being being transformed and the, what every every new things and you see all the characters are just staring in awe and yeah. That that's what the reader is supposed to be doing as well. It's incredible, it's you know unexpected and uh, yeah, no words words are no match for what's happening. So that's why there are no words. Uh, as for the details yeah, I'm pretty sure we'll learn more about it later. I mean, uh, about the fact why the city is there, what Griffith's goal was, such thing. But in short, he got what he wanted, yeah. and uh, the like, yeah, like you said, the logistics of how how he did uh, yeah, might not be addressed. There might be, but there might not be. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so much to say about Falconia. Not, this is not the platform to do it, but I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about Falconia itself. Uh, the way it appeared, not the way it appeared, but the, the details within the city itself, I've given a lot of thought to, and we'll probably address that in a future podcast, but now is not the time for it. So um, I guess that's it for user questions for now. Please keep sending them in. Uh, we'll, I, I want to address them every episode, but that's not always possible. We have, you know, I think we spent like two and a half hours talking about Skull Knight one time, and we're not going to answer questions on a long session like that. So we will get to them though. So thanks for sending them in. And I guess we'll see you guys next week or the next week after that. So thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Skullcast. See ya, guys.